The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. Kia ora koutou kato. Welcome to Business is Boring. Gold has been a store of value and fascination since ancient times. Rare, precious, and often unattainable. One local startup is out to change this. Goldie has just launched to be kind of like a sharesies of real things, fractionalising gold and, into the future, other assets like collectibles, art and classic cars even maybe. They buy gold, create a company and issue shares in that gold or real asset and then you can use their app to buy and sell slices or shares in that thing. They have a gold bar currently that you can visit and see and own a slice of from around $10. It's a new idea and wildly cheaper for people than existing methods of buying and selling gold. It's taken a lot of jumping through hoops and three years of getting ducks in a row to get here. And co-founder Cam McLaughlin, who I first met in a fun short project at work, is here today to talk the journey and the mission to change the face of investing. Tenakwe, thank you for being here. Kia ora, thanks for having me. What were you and your co-founder up to prior to getting into this, as you've both got really interesting backgrounds. Yeah, definitely. I mean, first of all, massive, massive follow of the, the podcast. Yeah. And um, <laughs> even in our and even in our dark days, I was turning to this podcast to hear other other Kiwi stories. And it feels like a a, a podcast that allows, uh, especially when you're in those those quiet dark rooms to to hear other stories to get you through. So just a massive thanks to you for keeping this going and and it's it's an incredible, incredible tool to have. Ah, that's anyway. so nice of you to say, man. It's such a privilege to get to do it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean I mean, geez. I mean I'm even last week taking taking notes from Mowbray and be like, oh yeah, okay. That, and or taking, you know, similar things and I'm like, oh that was up. that's similar to what we've gone through. Oh, and it's amazing the generosity like you say with Mowbray, like very, you know, serious people with, you know, very big achievements, right through to people just getting started right. But everyone so generous with their experience and, you know, not just rolling out the kind of PR patter, like, you know, going deep on what matters to them. Exactly, exactly. But anyway, sorry, I yeah. took that off. Um, so, yeah, Glenn and myself were just two everyday retail investors and, and complete stark opposites to each other. Um, you know, he's a chartered accountant to um, police officer parents has the moustache, which I think takes inspiration from that. Um, and, you know, he's he's very money savvy, very, um, very intelligent, um, and really the, the back-end engine behind behind Goldie. And, um, and it, you know, from from my side, being a square peg in a round hole often, um, just couldn't have couldn't have been fortunate enough to to find someone to partner with that um, complements all the the weaknesses in my area, and I think the testament to us surviving for three years and and not giving up is is just this unique, rare occasion where both of us have 
uh, stuck together um, and, and found ways around so many hurdles. Um, being an Australasian first, there's a reason why uh, this took three years. There's a reason why fractionalization of real assets just hasn't happened yet. And that whole naivety of, of when you do a startup and you wouldn't do it if you learned the lessons, you know, that's it's pretty pretty common. But um, I, I, I've, I've done a few startups myself and mm-hmm. never, never have faced such a thing. And, and a, a second part to that is the rare and unique situations we were in. Obviously, Glenn being um, so, so good with, um, you know, financially literate and and having that home and having some, some money to lean on at the same time with startups at my end and, and having some very fortunate things happen, we were able to keep going. Um, yeah, what, what kind of things had you been involved with prior? So um, from my, my, I mean, my background's a bit more complex. Uh, started in, um, uh, did not as in visual communications and design, jumped into advertising, worked under some pretty amazing um, female leaders like Amy McKinnon, who now is CEO of PIX, and that came back um, a few years later. So I went into advertising uh, and then jumped to the UK to kind of find myself, uh, loved it, uh, went into marketing there, and then uh, oh, slowly after time, um, Amy actually reached out saying her stepdad pick, wanted, wanted help um, getting into the UK, and so I treated it as a side project with zero budget. And we found a very unique way to cut through that market. Um, and that was through uh, f- trading at food markets, all the, the places where thousands of people flocked to um, in a, an extremely amazing culture. I mean, you were building super, super fans there. And then after time, we got the cut through with the Tesco buyers. And I still to this day say it's the most um, effective marketing campaign I've ever run. It's so cool too. Like any time as a as a Kiwi that you travel through somewhere and you see pics on the shelf, you feel so proud. And it must be so cool for you to walk through the grocery, uh, huge mega stores in the UK and go, oh, I, I helped get that on the on the shelves. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and when you wear that flag of, of New Zealand and Aotearoa and, and going around and, you know, we, we didn't hide it when we were at the food markets. Mm-hmm. And to be that odd New Zealand brand, how did you make it into Mulby Street Markets? How did you get into Partridge's Markets? Like, who are you guys? And and being the, the life of the, the food market was, was it, it was a great life. It was, was 4 a.m. on a Saturday morning, setting up six different markets. And then jumping to Birmingham, um, Manchester in the same day mm. to drive up there for eight hours to set up uh, food festival markets and then come back or Edinburgh. And it was an amazing, amazing experience, a lot of highs and lows. Um, and then understanding what zero budget actually means really was the opposite of working in advertising. Mm. You know, you expect the client to have money. You expect the client to do these things. Mm. Why wouldn't they support this amazing creative idea? Yeah. And then you get the reality of, oh, that pays the bill. Like literally making a hundred pounds to then rationalize getting a poster printed. That was that was where we started. And I think that's been the the amazing situation that led me on and obviously the success of Tesco is bringing on more clients and, and starting a business over there and being very, very happy and um, financially it was it was brilliant. Started growing um, businesses in the US um, in Europe and then COVID hit and ended up back in New Zealand twice um, and in that time uh, Glenn reached out and we obviously had ties with um, you know, uh, a reaper with basically both of us had, had um, you know, close friends there, Zach and, Zach and Gus, and Gus's 
um, Glenn's brother-in-law. So mm. that's how we reached out, and and it's it's been a, an amazing connection that I, I, you know, we we tell each other, you know, how much we appreciate each other. Probably between every every tough decision we have to make. <laughs> what led you to to gold? Gold. So I mean. We were looking at Goldie in itself is a, is a platform that allows people to gain access to, you know, these real assets. When we, were, when we were two everyday retail investors, we were looking at the gold market, at, at, at what was happening there. It seemed like a good investment. Um, and, and, you know, we just, we went to look at what, what market price would be. At the, right now, market price is $109,000 per kg. And at the time when we were looking, uh, it was it cost us one hundred and fifty one dollars um, to buy a gram. It took weeks to arrive, and at, but at the time the market price was uh, ninety six dollars. So a fifty seven percent, you know, middleman and all those types of things, and, and an obvious problem. And you know, you've, you, we're both you know shares these account holders, and seeing what what the disruption had been there, cutting out the middleman, and and inspired to kind of take that leg and go further with it. And and our model's very similar, but the back end's extremely complex, and and that's what has the delay has been for so long. Yeah, t- tell us about fractionalising and how that comes into because that was you know that's been a really big part of the retail. Uh, investment share ownership revolution, right? Instead of having to, you know, if one share in Amazon's 1500 US dollars, you don't have to find that. You can buy a small fraction of it and hold that. And that, that's, that, that's been a huge breakthrough there, but it hasn't been available for things like gold in this part of the world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, the back end, highly complex. The front end, uh, very simple. Uh, look at a bar of, one kg a bar of gold, we divide into 10,000 units. Um, and that, depending on where the market is, around ten dollars, ten dollars per decigram, and that's that's essentially how it works. And and we keep this these assets or things uh, in uh, New Zealand vaults in Wellington, and it, it's safe. It's it's sitting there, and we allow Kiwis to own a piece of that uh, or own a share in that, um, and that's that's pretty powerful. And um, you know, we've had two aha moments was. Which was that finding the the problem in the market, and then the second aha moment was, oh, we're building a, a platform that actually this doesn't have to just be gold. This can be other things, and that led us down an amazing, exciting path. And and you know, we 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 look at our initial storyboards on, on where we had these ideas, and and a lot of them are coming into coming to fruition now. Um, and art collectibles, things like that, which now really changes how we want to how we want to you know engage with the community and why community is so important to us with gold like it has been like this you know kind of like source of fascination across time and there's kind of like a mystique around it right as something that people kind of squirrel away and a store of value and stuff like what kind of like yeah like and 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 some countries or cultures have a big kind of uh, culture around buying and owning gold and, 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 and some don't so much. Like, what is the fascination behind gold and where does it kind of sit in the mix of things people might invest in or own? I mean, there's, there's two takes on it. You, you've got uh, Indian women own 11% of the gold in the world. 
amazing, powerful stat, mm. um, something that, you know, really, really means something to us. Um, and then you've got the New Zealand market not very educated. Mm. Um, and that's been that's been a really interesting one for us. And, and when we started, or people scratching their heads on why we're doing this. Um, and so, you know, past performance would say, you know, gold gold has a great past performance. So, you know, that's that's something that there's been a, a lesson not learnt um, and we know we've got a massive education journey ahead of us and not just for the, you know, people are going to look at our, our margins and pricings and, and be pretty blown away. I mean, uh, no middleman market um, spot price, 0.89% um, on the trade um, and then on the sale, 0.5%. No insurance or storage costs if you have under three hundred dollars. You know that that to an educated person in in precious metals is going to be like, whoa. You know, never seen anything like it. That's our disruption. We mm. knew that we were going to be disruptive in that space. That was probably where our headspace was for the first eighteen months. Uh, it wasn't until you know we we started to realise that well, there's an uneducated market or there's retail investors and there's there's more education needed there. And so our focus actually sits in that space on how do we first start with the people who are understanding what, you know, they've already got it, maybe a portfolio and, and trying, to, trying to find a, a diversification or excited by what we're doing. The next, the next phase is, is trying to grow that financial literacy and understanding what what how the community is responding. Um, so when we're talking about the community and how, how they're, they're kind of where they're at, some of them aren't investors yet, some of them feel that they can't buy a home so give up. Um, and the way we position ourselves is, is actually around health um, in, in general, mental health, financial health, physical health. Um, and, and that's where we, we really want to kind of along the line, educate these people in different ways, not just focusing on 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 gold. And in, in those terms, like because this is like an investment product, right? And it's regulated uh, as such if you're helping to um, facilitate purchase of shares and then, you know, setting up the companies and holding the gold on behalf of people. So it's not like you can go, go out giving investment advice, but like what kind of role should gold be playing inside people's um you know, financial plans, because there's some kind of rules around or, you know, best practice around portfolio construction, right? Like, you know, maybe 10% of someone's entire earnings should be in alternative classes. And amongst those alternative classes, you might find VC and PE and, you know, things like Bitcoin and stuff, right? But yeah, where, where, where does kind of gold sit in the mix? It's a good question because it's something we actually probably... Uh, feel that there's enough education out there in the market at the moment and enough people of an engaged community that what they say is more important than what we say. And if we can create this community to tell them or the people who trust them, then we'd rather pull in those educators and we don't call them influencers, we call them educators and we see long-term partnerships with them. Um, in terms of the way that that gold could be traded or those types of things. We're trying within our platform to make it more about the fun of, of owning these real things um, and creating language that doesn't say assets, it says things. And that's a, that learning in itself came from the curve and us listening to our educators and saying, oh, what are you saying? So assets is a confusing word to use. Okay, well, what do you recommend? Things. And that, that's a whole campaign for us, listening to our educators who represent a community coming back and doing that. And that's how we have to 
die on our sword of being community-led, purpose-driven platform is is under, listening, getting ourselves out of the way to white privileged males. Well, what do we know? What do we know about the community? So we need to lean on these other communities to tell us what, how we should be engaging with them, how we can help them because our purpose and our drive is to engage with those people. So, yeah. And if people are into gold, like talk about what the status quo is today because it's kind of, it's pretty fuzzy to me. You kind of think of like weird late night ads saying we buy gold or something and then you mentioned before that you with Goldie offer people the spot price How's that different? And what is a spot price? And how's that different to what someone might get if they, you know, take some old plates into a, a dealer? Yeah, such a glean question. I often uh, lean to him on these ones, but I mean, it, it's 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 an amazing thing from from the 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 sell side or the the margin side, the removing of the middlemen. Um, I think people see that. That's what gold is. You go into the guy, the guy was sitting outside, you know, Sky City, which never is a good look. Um, and almost sometimes I think we've had cold sweats thinking, geez, are we going to come to the market looking like, uh, mm. you know, a dodgy gold dealer? Um, and so, you know, that's the the idea. I think people really want to own own gold and, and, and hold it themselves and things like that. But what they've got to understand is that that is where the middlemen always come in, you're going to a retailer to buy your shirt, to then sell it back to them. That's not what the shirt costs. There's a retailer in the middle of that. And so we know that there is a market out there that wants to hold it. We'll we'll look into ways that we can probably maybe solve that problem as well. But, you know, we'd, we'd always have that situation where there will have to be an admin in between those two. So, yeah, again, a, a market that needs education, and understanding and what these spot prices. I mean, mm. I'm just an everyday retail investor. It, it took me some learnings to understand, even understand what Glenn was saying to me sometimes. So, so that's like the spot prices are the kind of global price for that day on what the commodity's trading for, as opposed to whatever someone has in stock in their store. And they will, you know, if anyone's taken secondhand clothing and uh, to sell somewhere and gone, oh, wow, I didn't know it would be so cheap to sell it to you when uh, it's selling for so much. Same experience with anything where there's a middle person in the middle, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's what spot price is. And um, it's pretty much the the cost price um, and how you, you know, that's where the, the fascination and the the problem came from, Goldie, is seeing, you know, 96 versus 151. You know, what, what is that? Why is that? And we'll be back in a moment with Cam to talk growing the business and connecting people to real things. Spark is proud to partner with the Sustainable Business Network and the Climate Action Toolbox. The free Climate Action Toolbox can provide you with simple step-by-step guides to measure and reduce your emissions. Help lead the way to a low-carbon future for New Zealand. Visit sparklab.co.nz forward slash sustainability to find out more. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today.
Kimayano. Welcome back to Business is Boring, where we're with Cam McLaughlin of Coldy. So, what's the situation today? You've just launched. How did that go? I mean, phenomenally well. Phenomenally well, and we're so lucky to have had such a great uptake and, and, and press exposure as well. Um, even even yesterday, I got a, a message from from the old man saying, "Hey, great article! Another great article in the Herald." And text back, "What? You know?" And that's that's just that's uh, we, you know, going back three years and 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 hoping that we'd be. We never knew how we were going to be received, um, and it's been phenomenal. And our we've, we've been fortunate enough to for people to understand. Our, our future and where we actually see this going and, and, and to pick up on our, our genuine goal of, of doing something quite unique and innovative. And, you know, as a, as a brand in ourselves, we see, you know, two people running innovation at two ends of the business. So what what Glenn's delivering on it at his end and what I'm trying to deliver on at my end and the fortunate situation of actually being delayed um, and, and reaching out to, you know, the likes of, Previous unavailable and, and getting that that breather time to find out who we were. I think if we had launched into the market eighteen months ago when we thought we were, um, I don't. Th- the, the success we're having at the moment wouldn't be there. And we came into this market, you know, inspired by the current financial platforms that are there and investing platforms that are there, and felt like we needed to follow suit. And it's only been the delays and the challenges and the hurdles that have slowed us down that have actually been the blessing in disguise and that's been incredible. Yeah, tell us about that. As, as wandering up to, you know, a regulatory body uh, in a country and going, hey, we want to do something that's never been done in Australasia and we're going to, you know, buy gold and hold it on people's behalf and they'll own little bits of it. Uh, can you please give us a nod to do this? Um, <laughs> how does that go as a process? Uh, as you know, I, I think the fact that you've got there shows that they're willing to be open-minded and, and allow new things to happen, right? But these these organisations are not famous for moving quickly, right? Oh, you know, uh, it's something that I, I can fortunately say Glenn has has run the flag on and any time he's tried to have massive amounts of conversation with me, I've, I've tried to block out everything he's, he's said in terms of the the challenges and, and you know, it, it's ongoing as well. And and the FMA has been very supportive and understanding that we're, we're trying to be very innovative here at the same time they have, don't know what this has never existed. So they have had to go through that process of understanding what they're approving. And that's been an, an amazing, amazing journey in itself. And and we joke often that we've both got master's degrees and different ends of the business. And to be working on a brand even, you know, or to be stepping into the user experience or the, the back end of the app, we've both have to, had to upskill. It's almost like a joke. Sometimes we have a problem and we say, oh, we, I'm going to have to go upskill myself in this now. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I'd say it, it requires a master's in these different areas. And, again, that that beautiful um, collaborative way that, that Glenn and myself work, and I don't believe I could have done that with any other person I've met. Um, so just the, the sheer luck of both of us, having that trust, having that ability to drive areas of the business and solve those problems, massive problems, massive mm. challenges, um, you know, it, we, you know, just to let alone keep funding it and, and lucky that other bits, parts of my business and his business have, have kept us going. 
Yeah, wow. So you've been three years of self-funding and supporting and pulling things together to get here. Yeah, yeah. My, my, I mean, I got very, um, I was very fortunate to be working on the business that I, I walked away from to, to, to focus on Gotti. Um, I've actually been off salary for 18 months and before that uh, we... Play, I played a part in, in helping um, with a, with another business partner to get uh, rapid antigen tests approved and signed off here, and, and that's really what has helped us over the last year and reinvesting into that. So, you know, massive learnings and challenges there. But yeah, it's um, it's 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 crazy, and you know, the way that that Glenn has managed to, uh, you know, having a chartered accountant behind the business is huge. You know, you just, it's the trust that I can push him on the creative side as much as I can, but knowing that we're not, never going to sink the ship. And that's, that's massive for us, you know, and, and that's been, that, that balance is, mm-hmm. is perfect. And that perseverance, part of it is having the resources to keep going, but also the belief, right? Like, you know, if you've got three years of, of, of knockbacks and setbacks and, delayed plans to launch and, you know, like how do you overcome that or push through the the doubt or the fear or the stress? <laughs> yeah. Um, enjoying the process as much as you can. Um, you know, there's, 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 it's definitely, we've both had children over this process. So we're dads of, of, he's got two boys, I've got two girls and, you know, flying to Wellington, covering those flights yourself, you know, spending a hundred days on a couch, over a hundred, I think I'm at 150 days sleeping on, on the couch. And it's, it's that that actually excites you. You've got to be like, I mean, Glenn's got a spare, spare room in his place, but I say, no, nah, I want to stay in the <laughs> office. I want to crush this out. I want him to turn up in the morning and be like, well, did you do that overnight? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's that taking that pride and challenging ourselves to outdo each other in other areas and thinking each other is magic in that sense. I, I don't know how we, I don't actually, I couldn't actually describe what's happened over the last few years. It's been a blur. Um, our our acceptance to the challenges is, is almost concerning, um, but to, to have that, is is a big thing. The, the the biggest learning and the the challenge that we've had is whenever we've been low in resource or having to really get into each other's business, that's the only time we've really had challenges. Is that standing on each other's toes and trying to understand how we've stood on each other's toes or how that comes across to the team? And we don't we don't have a, a massive team. We are very innovative in terms of the way we have resource and we have a, a phenomenal um, brand team. We have a phenomenal dev team and and everyone is in this on the same dream. Where do you see this going? As you talked a little bit about moving into uh, in the future potentially those collectibles or artworks. Like how does how does that work? I mean, how does it work? I mean, we, we've got we've got a lot of a lot more hurdles to figure out. I mean, we're we're working on art right now. We've got our eyes on a piece, um, and the Herald actually wrote about it yesterday. So the cat's out of the bag there a little bit. Um, and I guess what we're trying to do is, you know, we're in a lot of ways breaking the stigma, lowering the barrier, changing the face of ownership. You know, this is these are things that 
are not a big statements. And again, it leans back on engaging a community and hearing what the community wants. Now, our first piece, we're pretty confident in. I mean, when you say the name Warhol, anyone who everyone who knows art or Andy, you know, wants would love a piece of that. So it's a powerful, it's a powerful name. And we know that that and what we're doing for the art industry is going to be amazing in terms of getting people in that mindset of owning art. And maybe in the future we can start helping, you know, up and coming artists, how that pla- how our platform will be led is community led, you know, and and the ownership of or the ownership and shares of these things uh, will hopefully draw people together. We can start engaging more people. When we get into the collectibles, you know, that's really exciting again. Is it sport collectibles? Is it Pokemon cards? Is it what does our community want? And that's why our educators are important to engage the gear communities. Have this safe place. We don't give investment advice. We're not here to tell you what to do with your money. We're going to have billboards saying we don't give investment advice, breaking that fourth wall, mm. doing the things that you'd never expect an investment platform to do. We are breaking the stigma any and every way we can. So how does that look? So so maybe into the future you could have a world where if a bunch of people all really cared about Pokemon, they could get together as a community and go, let's use Goldie to purchase this card and then we'll all own little shares in it and that card then lives in a vault that they can go and visit sometimes if they like, but they have a little a little share of that real thing that's sitting in the vault that may appreciate and value over time. But they have chosen what the thing that's sitting in the vault is rather than the old school view of finance where it's gold bars and monies. Exactly. And 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 that's why you've got to listen to the community and that's why we hope our platform is there. So when we, we have a large enough platform and we have a large enough people and everyone listening to this, this podcast hopefully gets behind us and sees that that we will go out and find these things. And I think in, in the sense of, of having the, the ability to do that and then to take it these these assets across New Zealand, let people touch it, hold it, um, what a what a powerful thing. And, and that was that our, I, I touched on it earlier, our second aha moment was, oh, wow, we can we can have so much fun. Mm-hmm. This can be, this doesn't have to even be an investment platform. Let's make this like buying a T-shirt. Let's not, you know, we've got the FMA, you know, legals that we have to, when you first sign up, you have to fill in. That's not for us, that's for them. And it's great. It means safety and security and protection. And, and we've been, you know, vetted to make sure we're not, you know, doing anything that wouldn't protect the the everyday consumer. And, and that's really, you know, once you get over that hurdle, why can't this be a really fun experience? Mm-hmm. Why can't this be something that people take pride in? I own half a percent of a racehorse. It's a funny joke, but I do. And you, you treat it like you own it. When it wins, you win, you celebrate. It, it, it It's it's a powerful thing. And, and I take a lot of inspiration from that experience and go, you know, what about a LeBron basketball? What, like, we haven't come into contact. I've never come into contact with Michael Jordan. How could I? Like, could we bring a Michael Jordan shoe to back to New Zealand? Could we, you know, we're bringing a Warhol. Warhol's already here. What about art that has been taken offshore? Mm-hmm. What about collectible um, pieces that memorabilia? You know, why don't we try and bring these back? Why don't we get the New Zealand community behind us? If they want it, let's bring it back. And and that could be campaigns for us. We kind of see ourselves already. You might see some nostalgia coming through our brand. And that's because we want to take that line of bringing it back, whether it's bringing back, 
you know, the you know, we joke about the fish and chip shop and how we need to bring the nostalgia back there or the post-it note or the handwritten message. Everything we do and something we haven't touched on yet is this real aspect and we will die on the sword of being real. So, yeah, I mean, a bit off tangent, but yeah. No, no, and the Goldie, you know, the name and the artist, you mentioned briefly the possibility of like bringing back works if everyone kind of gathered together to buy them and own them. How could you do that with a Goldie? Well, I mean, you know, we need a large enough community to get behind that one um, because they're they're over a million, um, well over a million, a lot of them. Um, so, so what we need to do is essentially find ways to do that and be innovative. You know, let's not forget that you know Peter Jackson has amazing, amazing collectibles as well, and and would love to catch up and talk to him one day and see if there's a way that we can even find uses, whether it's even finding ways around you know, having someone who already is the owner and, and giving a certain percentage of them of it to it. Um, but everything we do is, is tracking down that real aspect. Everything is finding that way and doing it and being real with, with how we approach it. And hopefully, you know, in, in time, giving all these, you know, it'd mm-hmm. be great if everyone can go through their vault within the platform and just almost have this fun experience of I own that, I own that, okay, I own that, and there's going to be a gallery down the road and I'm going to go into it and I own all these things in it. And then how do we grab those real assets and make them, put them in that digital age? Uh, that's essentially what we've done. We've grabbed mm-hmm. a, with gold, we've grabbed a 5,000-year-old industry that hasn't been touched, that is boring as hell, that only speaks to the top 1%, that only for the people that really have a $110,000 can really capitalise on the spot price. And now we're bringing into the new age. And we use a lot of metaphors in that sense of how we do that. And, mm. Yeah, I love the, the, the thing that I think is really interesting here is like gold and a Picasso and, you know, uh, you, you, you know, any kind of precious stone or anything, they're only valuable because people have decided they are, right? And that's a very, you know, <laughs> seems like a kind of nonsense thing to say. It's so obvious. But I love the way that if you do have communities going, well, we value these Pokemon cards. We value these collectibles. These are the artists that we actually connect to, not just the artists that have been passed down to us as being kind of, you know, Western canon or whatever. Then if people choose what they value and gather together as a community, you can actually kind of change the things we value. And that that's kind of cool, right? Because it's, it's arbitrary at a certain point. It's disruption again. Mm-hmm. It's actually finding, it's almost like the logic behind why why art is valued at its price. And and we will become the, the measuring board for that. And all our job is to do is, it's not it's not Cam and Glenn going out and picking the next Pokemon card. It's not Cam and Glenn going knocking on the door of Jordan and being like, hey, can we have a shoe from you? Um, it's it's relying on our expert curators. And when we talk about this Warholds, it's not something we've picked. We're trying to find uh, past performance and making sure we've done the right checks on a Warhol to make sure that this is the real thing. There's a lot of fraudulent stuff going on in, in the Warhol space. So, you know, safety and security in our platform and in our assets is is critical. Any any gap in that space and, and we we lose face in that sense. So, you know, even the way we we protect our our uh, users is, is hugely important. Their data, um, their their assets and things like that. When we when we travel now with the gold bar, we actually don't use the gold bar from the vault at the moment until we can find out how we can really protect that. Um, really protect the investments. So it's it's really important to to have that safety and security for people. 
What advice would you have to people who can see an opportunity, like, you know, for 50% odd better um, price uh, that you can achieve is a pretty big opportunity and, you know, one of the um, most traditionally valued asset classes. Uh, but what, what's the kind of advice you have to someone who sees that opportunity? And, 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 and how do you maintain the drive to get there, to actually get to the product? We're, we're not there yet, mm. you know, when we're looking, when we talk about this platform, I, I see 50 things wrong with it and I see 50 things that need to be added to it. Um, and, you know, we, we took that advice of um, you should never be proud of your, your, you know, your first product. And we are, we are. We're very proud of what we've we've done and, th- and that a lot of that happened in the final hour. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's loads of things that, that we are completely open to and accepting of and, and not having egos. We don't even see, Glenn and myself don't even see Goldie as ours. We see ourselves as probably the parents who who help bring it to life, but it's it's got to go off to school now and it's got to uh, engage with this community. And then we've got to st- sit back and, and let the community own it. And uh, advice um, is is probably for us is is, is really having that, that open open mind and being willing to uh, not be too hard on ourselves to uh, challenge ourselves and know when to pace yourself or when to when to when to support your business partner when you see them fatiguing when you pick up the reins um, and I think anyone who's who's going through that I mean touch reach out to us and and tell us what what sucks with the app as well tell us what. You know, it's it's only a web app; it's not downloadable. But you know, again, another thing where we want to move into that. But it, it's a very expensive process for us because you know we're we're live trading. Um, but yeah, I mean, for anyone who's who's doing that, it's it's about it's about being you know really open to people giving feedback and you know honestly reach out to anyone who who actually wants to chat. Come come into the the office or drop me an email. Um, I'll happily tell you all the things, happily give you a, a code. Actually, we can we can do a code here, which uh, business is boring, $20. Uh, if, if, anyone wants to, if anyone wants to sign up and have an extra uh, $10 of shares in their account, business is boring. I'll quickly, after this, go and set up the code. <laughs> There's I mean, a little Easter egg if yeah, you made it to the yeah, end. Yeah, if you made it to the end, thank you very much. But yeah, um, but yeah I, think, I think any way we can and any way we can give people that – showing that we're real mm. um, in every shape of the sense. And yeah. And as a final thought, what will success be for Goldie and for you? It's interesting. Uh, when we started this process, it was something completely different. It was to be that investment platform. It was to be just another. Uh, now it's not. Now it's it's changing the face of ownership, changing the face of investors, changing that, you know. Uh, my, uh, I've got the, the, my background, I've got the stoic, uh, intelligent, hardworking dad and I've got the kind, uh, caring mum who helped out in South Auckland schools, DSL1 schools and it's funny, I kind of started doing the, the Goldie thing through the stoic mindset of, of doing something and working hard and then now this out of nowhere, uh, you know, importance to to make a difference or do things like we're not 
you know, we're not we're not campaigners in that sense or anything, but there's an amazing sense of purpose we've got. There's an amazing sense of, of wanting to do it. And then when we work with these educators like Takahu Kura from uh, Māori Millennia and hearing her side or, or she's giving... She's so cool. She's so cool. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and often you know, undervalued in, in the words she's saying and the words, the things she's saying in that sense. And when you have in, you know, when we've talked to people like Simran from from Girls That Invest mm-hmm. and, and The Curve and Vic and Soph and things like that, we hear different things and, you know, that's where we want to take this business. We really want to take it to a sense of making something that the community gets. But success is a, a, a mass amount of, New Zealand getting behind us and our margins are so small that we do. We desperately need that kind of sense of the community getting behind us. We could have priced this at, we could have chucked up our margins still be extremely disruptive, but we didn't, it took us a while to realise that actually we're here for the everyday person and the everyday person has to get behind Goldie for us to grow and succeed. If we are only tailoring to the gold traders or even the well-educated retail investors, uh, I think Goldie needs to cut through to a new layer. So that's it. We need success is whether it's our social following, whether it's things like that. But we're not here to, yeah, we're here to break the stigma too. Awesome. I can't wait to see where you take it next. It's been awesome to chat today. That's Kim McLaughlin, co-founder at Goldie. Kilda. Yes. Awesome. So thank you, Cam. Thank you to you for listening and for everyone who helps make this happen, like our producer, Samuel Robinson. Do follow Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to rate and leave a review if you like what we do. Enoho da. From the Spinoff Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited, and of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.